Please join me in prayer. O oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. Can you think of a noun that has been made into a verb recently? For example, how many times have you said, I'm Googling it, or I can Airbnb? Google and Airbnb weren't verbs to start out with, but we've used it so much that they've taken on an action of their own. Text and email are also words that started out as nouns and have become verbs. And when was the last time you elbowed your way out of a crowded place? Probably not in the last year. I thought about verbification of nouns when it comes to the kingdom of God. If you are anything like me, when you hear the word kingdom, you think of a place, a land, a country that you go to, a place that is ruled by a king, perhaps. However, in the Lord's Prayer, the phrase goes, Thy kingdom come. Hmm. How can a place come to us? Don't we have to go to a place? That made me think that kingdom isn't really a noun. Kingdom isn't something that's static and in one place. Kingdom is more like a verb than a noun. Thy kingdom come probably can be replaced with one word, kingdoming. I'm thinking back to Pastor Nate's sermon on heaven a couple Sundays ago, and I think he was heavening it, making heaven into a verb. Likewise, more than a place, kingdom is something we do. Kingdom is something that happens to us. Kingdom is something we live out and live into. God's kingdom is moving and alive and growing and ever expanding all around us, among us, and inside of us. In today's Revelation passage, we see this happening. John has the vision of God's holy city being kingdomed from above. New Jerusalem is coming down from heaven. Regardless of what you may think about the book of Revelation, the visions of John on the Patmos Island point to the future hope of Jewish people living under the oppression of the Roman Empire that one day, when God is king and God's kingdom come, they will be liberated from the tyranny of the empire. Kingdom people are people who hope against all odds. We hope that God will make all things new. Not that God would make new things in God's kingdom, but that God would take our dirty, messy things in our world and lives and turn them into something new. When God's kingdom comes, our hope is that all things will be made new. God redeems what we thought was beyond the human capacity for hope again and again. 
rather than a place. Kingdom of God is a new reality of redemption and resurrection that comes to us. Do we dare to live into that reality? A famous Old Testament theologian, Walter Brueggemann, says that hope is the refusal to accept the current reality as it is, and therefore, hope is subversive, for it limits the grandiose pretension of the present, daring to announce that the present to which we have all made commitments is now called into question. Hope is daring to call into question the present reality by making God's kingdom more real than real. This kingdom reality is also depicted in the Isaiah passage we read for today. This passage truly speaks to our imagination of what God's kingdom must be like. Often referred to as the peaceable kingdom of God, it depicts God's kingdom, where the order of things as we know it, the order of this world has been turned upside down. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. All things are at peace with each other in this picture, and there is peace among God's created order. Perhaps this is what the Garden of Eden looked like before the fall. Einstein once said that knowledge is limited, imagination encircles the world. That's why Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech is so powerful. Dr. King refused to accept the world as it was, but dreamt of a world as it ought to be, a world of equity, harmony, justice, and love, regardless of one's skin color. And not only did he dream it, but he fought for it. What about us? What kind of a world do we dream of and fight for? Do we simply accept the world as it is, or do we dream of a different kind of order in the world, order that promotes harmony, peace, justice, and love? Do we live into God's imagination of a world as it ought to be rather than the world that is today? Because you see, that's what Jesus did when he ushered in God's kingdom more than 2,000 years ago. He broke the social political, and spiritual order of the day. He ate with the sinners, touched the sick, and put children and women first. All the people who are supposed to be ignored and despised, he put them first and healed them and loved on them. When Jesus broke every social order of the day and crossed every boundary he could possibly cross and put the lamb right there with the lion, God, broken. God's reality, God's rule, God's kingdom started to be established on earth as it is in heaven. When the Pharisees asked Jesus, where is the kingdom of God? Jesus responds, the kingdom of God is among you. 
The Greek word he uses, anthos, which can be translated as among, but also within. In essence, Jesus is saying, I'm the kingdom of God that is among you and within you. Thich Nhat Hanh says, the kingdom of God is available to you in the here and the now. But the question is whether you are available to the kingdom. Just like St. Augustine who prayed, oh Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Do we say, thy kingdom come, but not yet. When Jesus prays thy kingdom come, it's not because God's kingdom isn't here already. God's kingdom is here among us and within us. Rather, Jesus is asking us to live into God's reality by hoping and imagining a world as it ought to be, rather than settle for the world as it is. When I think about God's kingdom that is among us, I think about our church, and I am reminded of the fall video devotional we did for 10 weeks last year. One of them was Barbara Littleton, and she shared a beautiful story of going as a volunteer on our Mid-High's first mission trip to Pittsburgh Project 19 years ago. That first day of mission trip, she was feeling apprehensive about going into an unknown neighborhood to do unfamiliar tasks. It was then the director of Pittsburgh Project shared a devotional about how resurrected Jesus told the women at the tomb that he goes before them to Galilee and to tell his disciples to meet him there. And the director prayed for Jesus to go before them and that they would meet Jesus is waiting for them. So Barbara went into the unknown neighborhood knowing Jesus has already gone ahead of them. Now, while that story alone would have been sufficient to witness to the kingdom of God that has already come and is waiting for us, there's more. The day that devotional came out in the morning, I happened to call one of the members who was about to go see a doctor for a biopsy result that came back unfavorably. Pretty scary stuff for sure. As we talked, he mentioned Barbara's video devotional that morning and how it gave him a great deal of comfort and peace, knowing Jesus has already gone before him on this cancer journey that he's about to embark on. Almost a year later, when I ask how he's doing, he still replies, Jesus goes ahead of me. I'm just stepping into the path Jesus has prepared for me. Jesus has already brought the kingdom. The healing kingdom of God is among us. The loving kingdom of God is within us. The grace-filled kingdom of God is all around us. All we have to do is live into it. All we have to do is walk into it. 
And every time we go into the city of Pontiac to serve, we're walking into God's kingdom. Every time we share our God stories, we're living into God's kingdom. Every time we show up for one another, we're advancing God's kingdom step by step. Every time we make ourselves available for the work of justice and peace, God's upside down kingdom becomes more real to us today, day by day. Every time we hope and dream of the world as it ought to be, rather than as it is, we're living into God's reality rather than the reality of this world. Jesus has already gone before us. All we have to do is walk into that kingdom. N.T. Wright asks, what might it mean to pray this kingdom prayer today? He answers it by saying, it means for a start, that as we look up into the face of our Father in heaven and commit ourselves to the hallowing of God's name, that we look immediately out upon the whole world that God made and we see it as God sees it. Thy kingdom come. To pray this prayer means seeing the world in binocular vision. See it with the love of the Creator for His spectacularly beautiful creation. And see it with the deep grief of the Creator for the battered and battle-scarred state in which the world now finds itself. Put those two together and bring the binocular picture into focus and pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying as Jesus was praying and acting for the redemption of the world, for the radical defeat and uprooting of evil and for heaven and earth to be married at last for God to be all in all. And if we pray this way, we must, of course, be prepared to live this way. Where does God's kingdom still need to come in our world and in our lives today? We've been talking about hope and imagination as important parts of living into God's kingdom. So I invite you to join me in this meditation for a moment. Close your eyes and think of an event or place in the world where God's kingdom needs to come today. Thy kingdom come. 
Now think of a relationship in your life where God's kingdom needs to come today. Thy kingdom come. Lastly, think of a place in your heart where God's kingdom needs to come today. Thy kingdom come. Amen.